It's really good this morning to have Pastor Greg Souls from Christ Chapel Dublin here. Greg, would you just stand and wave at everybody to let them know you're here? And Pastor Quan Holden with Cross Life Church will be with us. They're here, of course, today, but next Sunday he will be on the stage and we're going to kind of give him a chance to tell you about his vision and the pioneering of Cross Life in Macon. They'll be meeting in our facility upstairs. And I've told him not only is it all right, but we encourage him to speak to you and you speak to him about helping them. The Lord may lay upon your heart to say, look, I'll give you six months. I want to help get this church off the ground or I have these gifts and abilities. Please feel free to use me. Or the Lord may tell you to leave us and join them. We're all on the same team, but we want him to know in this house that he has our support. Can somebody give him an amen this morning? Amen. Before I read my text, would you allow me the courtesy to take about 30 seconds and talk to those of you that Uh, Not just visiting, but those that um, this is home, but it's not a a consistent thing. And I just want you to hear my heart. There's no condemnation at all. God doesn't move that way. But do you realize there's so much more we could do together than we could ever do apart? When God's house is filled There's a sense of God's pleasure. You bring something to the worship experience that when you're not here, we're emptier. We need you. We need you to be all God's called us to be. We need your person, your presence, your giftings, your abilities. And this is not a guilt thing. I just want you to know that as a pastor... I see this house today filled like this. And I was like, oh, Lord, what could we do if we were all in together? We could reach the city. That's what we could do. So I want you to prayerfully consider about the coming rest of this year saying, you know what? I'm going to go from the stands to the game because people like you are what make us what God intended us to be. So thank you for being here. And if you're a first-time guest with us, whether you came with family or somebody drug you here, I want you to know you're safe. We put all the snakes away. There's no snakes. Nobody levitating. You're good. And if you see any, let me know because I'm right behind you. I'm getting out of here. God don't do crazy. Amen. Matthew 28. Would you stand with me one more time for the reading of God's word? God does not require that. We just do it in reverence to him. Matthew 28, beginning with verse 1, reading out of the New Living Translation. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb of Jesus. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat upon it. Most commentators agree that this stone was a ton and a half to two tons, which was a standard stone. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him and fell into a dead faint. I bet they did. Then the angel spoke to the women. He said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just like he said. Come see where the body was lying 
And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Remember what I've told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb and they were frightened but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus appeared to them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. And as the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priest what had happened. And a meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give their soldiers a large bribe. And they told them, you must say that Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governors hear about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. And the story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them still did not believe. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And God's blessing is on the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. The resurrection is a factual, historical story. It's been told for generation to generation to generation to generation. Some not only believe it, they have pushed in to it. They've experienced it. Belief is a strange word because people will say, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in God. Well, the devils, demons believe in God, but they're not saved. They're not forgiven. Belief is not a mental assent. Or the acceptance of a fact. Belief is a firm relying trust in something or someone. It's an exclusive trust. I don't believe in Jesus and someone else. I don't believe in Jesus plus a priest. I don't believe in Jesus plus a pastor or plus works. We firmly lean into and rely upon the atoning work of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection for our sake. But the resurrection story is more than his story. It's our story. That's what believers, that's why Resurrection Sunday means so much. See, when he became sin for me, God... And what that means, if you're a guest with us, or maybe you don't go to church, what that means is God in his omniscience, after the plan to pay for our sins, took all the sins that would ever been committed and that would ever be committed and put them upon Christ. That's why Jesus on the cross cried, uh, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He turned his back upon Jesus, which means he turned his back upon us. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. So you and I were forgiven, but we were still dead. If we were in Christ, Christ in us, he's uh, the substitute for us. What happened to him happened to us. The beatings and the flogging and the whipping was the punishment for our sins. And Christ died, so we were forgiven, but non-existent. So the resurrection 
means that not only did Jesus pay for my sins and took them away, but the life that he was given. The resurrection means that when he got up, I got up with him. Not only did I die with him, but I got up with him. So for us as Christians and for those of us that are peripheral, it's not enough to hear the story. It's not enough to nod your approval. I believe I agree with the story. You are to become the story. That's the identifying mark that separates professors of faith and possessors of faith. I was there when they crucified him. My sin was there. I was there when he got up. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died for me and gave himself for me. I didn't change my life. He exchanged my life. He gave me his life for my death. He was naked that I could be clothed. He was poor that I could be rich. He suffered outside the camp that I might have an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God. He was forsaken by God that I could be accepted in the beloved. I want to speak to you for just a few moments this morning on hearing the story, becoming the story. Hearing the story, becoming the story. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, on this Resurrection Sunday, I tremble at the responsibility that's mine. There will be people today that it'll be the first time they hear the gospel. And there are people today, it may be the last time they hear it. So, oh Lord, would you help me to say it with such clarity and with such anointing that they would lose sight of this very inarticulate and flawed preacher. But they would see with their spiritual eyes how much God loves them, how sufficient Christ's death was for them, and how available his life is to them. And that they might leave this place forgiven, ransomed, and with a brand new start. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The resurrection is a story of love expressed. The sufferings that preceded the resurrection. Did you know nowhere in the Bible did Jesus ever say the words, I love you? never said it but he personified it when he was the friend of sinners they knew that he loved them when he met with the woman at the well who'd already had five husbands and was shacked up now and he he treated her he didn't condone her sin but he treated her with such love she ran into the town and said come meet a man that told me everything I ever did he was one that loved Simon Peter when Simon said I don't even know who he is he denied him and when Jesus and he met again after the resurrection, Jesus never even brought up the failure. The resurrection is the culmination of a love story that was written thousands of years ago, prophesied in the Garden of Eden about a, a, a son, a man that would bruise the head of Satan and bring us back to God, the Lamb of God, the scapegoat that taketh away the sin of the world whose shoes we weren't worthy to untie. He's not only baptized us with, with His love and His Spirit, but with fire and cleansing us from all of our sin. You can see the love expressed by the removal of the stone at the entrance of the tomb. Step back, pan back, if you will, on, with your camera. Pan back and see the type of this. Here's the work of God. So if here's the stone here, and there's the tomb... Here's the work of God, the resurrection, 
but you and I can't see it. We can't just decide to check God out and accept it. We're blind. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. We have no way to approach God. Be careful of the preachers and teachers and, and uh, priests that tell you that you just decide. Salvation does not come by the will of man. It comes by the will of the Lord. It's the work of God. And God knew that we, we didn't need to find a, a church or a religion and start modifying behavior. We need to see we need to see God and see the work of God and the plan of God so that faith could be born. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So look at this perfect type. You can't see the resurrection. You can't see who God is by peering in. You can't just decide. But God, through love, sent this archangel that rolled the stone out of the way so that people like you and I could look in. And see with our spiritual eyes. In the story, it was with natural eyes. But with us, it's spiritual eyes. Maybe your story is something like mine, or maybe it's different. Maybe you came to church and you kind of understood what the pastor said and kind of didn't. And didn't think his jokes were funny, but you were still sitting in there. And then you said, I believe. You glimpsed enough because God moved the stone out of the way. There are people in this room today with stones that are in the way. Stones of abuse. They can't picture God as a father because of their earthly father. Stones of neglect. Stones of regret. I'll sit in my office over the last 20 years and you'll talk to someone and you're sharing the gospel with them. And the lady would say, you know, in my own belly, I, I killed that baby in my belly. In my own belly. And I can't help them. There has to be a divine push that pushes back so they can peer in and see what God did more clearly than what they've done. Do you see? We are what we think we are. We're worse than we think we have ever been. We're worse. But the atoning work of Christ was not to convince us that we weren't evil, but that God was good. And those that are well don't need a physician. It's sick people like you and I, failures like us. He moves the stone of regret out of the way. The stone of unbelief. There are people in this room. All your uh, teenage years and 20s, you go, I don't believe. I ain't never going to believe. And God maneuvered your life in such a way. He put a couple of people in the way and uh, had some things reach you that pushed the stone back far enough for you to catch a glimpse of what God did. And you went from unbelief to belief instantaneously. How many people would be honest enough to say, I didn't even plan on getting saved and God saved me? I wasn't even looking. Be careful of those people. 30 years ago today, I found the Lord. He wasn't lost. You didn't find God. God found you. Found your hiding place. The resurrection is a story of personal eyewitnesses. Mary Magdalene saw the Lord on the Sunday morning following the crucifixion, Mark 16. Several other women saw him a short while later, Matthew 28 and Simon Peter on the same day, Luke 24. Two disciples on the Emmaus Road saw him in Mark 16. In the evening of the same day, he came to the 11 remaining disciples as they met in the upper room, Mark 16. He came again to the 11 eight days later, that is on the next Sunday, John 20. After his disciples returned to Galilee, seven of them met him on the shore of the sea, John 21. 
He appeared in Galilee to a gathering of more than 500 believers, Matthew 28. And sometime in the next few weeks, he revealed himself to his brother James, 1 Corinthians 15. And six weeks after the resurrection, at his ascension, he was seen by 120 people. Acts 1.3 says, To whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In any court of law, eyewitnesses are the greatest evidence can be displayed for or against a plaintiff, an eyewitness. An eyewitness that says, I saw him kill this person. If the eyewitness is credible or if there's one or two of them, the man's fate is pretty much sealed unless someone can refute that now with video evidence or something. But think, back then there were no video cameras or phones or internet. But there were thousands of people that testified to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. If someone were to come to your house and say, you know, they're knocking on the door, and Annabelle, Jeff, they said, I, Jeff, they said, We've, I was there, I, saw, I was in the car with Annabelle, and she had a wreck, and she's been killed. And I know that's a horrible story, but just bear with me. Based on your knowledge of that person, you'd go, oh, no, you'd believe. And they said, I was there, and you'd ask them, are you sure that she was dead? Yes. But then if someone else come in about an hour later and said, hey, I, I was at the hospital and Annabelle's alive. You'd go, depending on if they were sane or not, you would, you'd say, really? Yes, I saw her. Jerusalem was flooded with reputable people, poor people, rich people, scholars, Pharisees, Sadducees, disciples, common folk that said, he's alive. We've seen him for 40 days. He just appears and disappears and comes back. The Lord is alive. The most documented fact in the history of the world was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ, even as when our calendar starts, A.D., after the death. And it's still one of the most disputed facts. But nonetheless, I want you to know I side on the fact that he died like he said. He got up like he said. And there were too many eyewitnesses to rule otherwise. The resurrection is a story of promises kept. When the two women came to the tomb. And the Bible said there was a great earthquake and an angel had moved the stone out of the way. And the angel said to them, he isn't here. He got up just like he said. I was on a flight, a Delta flight one, one time years ago. And I was coming home and I was reading my Bible on the plane. And um, I got to this portion. And your pastor has a vivid imagination. I don't know if you know that or not. It's very vivid. It's kind of off, but it's vivid. Color, technicolor. I was in high def in this mind long before there was high def. Three out of the five voices in my head really like you. <laughs> I pictured this angel sitting on the stone with his legs crossed. So let me give you a visual without killing myself. Hold on. Hey, he ain't here. <laughs> Do you think they spoke King James? Thou which thou hast looketh for is no longer. I don't know. 
But I believe it was like this. I'm being funny, but I'm serious about this part. I believe the angel said, he got up just like he said he would. See, that's the problem with you people, all of us. You think that God would lie. You think that he would stay here because you saw him die. But he told you, he told you, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. As Jonah was in the belly of the earth for three days, so must the Son of Man be there. I told you. The angel's like, what is wrong? I've watched him for millennia keep his word. I watched him step out on nothing before there was an earth, before there was a galaxy, before there were billions of galaxies, stepped out on nothing and said, let there be lights. And they all come into being. That's the God you're looking for in here. You're looking in the wrong place. He got up like he said. So the resurrection is a story that God always keeps his promises. So whatever he says about us, we can bank on it. So having said that, listen to this. We accept what he says about our sins and our condition before him. Including us in the statement, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. And we have no hope and without God in this present world. Depending upon the phrase, whosoever cometh unto me. I will in no wise cast them out. Whosoever, the abuser, the adulterer, the fornicator, the liar, the covetous man, the angry man, the slanderous man, the man that walked out on his family, the woman that walked out on her family, whosoever comes to me, I will in no wise turn them away. Not one person has ever approached God in humility and repentance that did not find grace for their sins. Not one. Following the pattern of look and live. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. There was a time in Old Testament history where the people were grumbling and murmuring and God sent snakes to bite them in judgment. And many people were dying. And God told Moses, he said, fashion this thing of brass and put a, a serpent on a pole and lift it up. And whoever in the camp, watch this, whoever, regardless of age, color, sex, belief system, whoever, regardless of what they've done, what they've not done, where they've been, if they look at the type of the coming Christ, they'll be healed. Jesus hadn't even died yet. And something that just would resemble the atoning work, you know, the symbol of medicine where the stick goes through the serpent, Jesus being accursed for us, that cross looked like it just ran through him and put in the ground. And anyone that even looks in faith, like I'm looking to you for my salvation, for my cure, was healed. Whether they had just been bit, whether they had wrapped duct tape around their arms so everybody could see the snake dangling from their arm. I've been bit. How y'all doing? Look, wanting sympathy. Or if they were grasping at their last breath, I can imagine there were people in their huts, if you will, proud, rebellious, hard-hearted people, and a little grandbaby taking their dad, granddaddy's head and saying, just look, Papa, just look, and turn his head. And if there was any willingness in his heart, he was healed. See, we, we, we have to believe. We have to realize that this story of promises kept was not just promises made to them, but promises made to us. I'm one of the whosoevers.
raised in a Christian home. I could lead you to the Lord at age nine. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9. But as a teenager, lost my way, gone, without help, without God, living like hell, depressed, deceived, disillusioned, all those things. But I knew that if I just looked, I would live. It wasn't that the story in the Bible was about Moses lifting the serpent. It was that that was my story. All I had to do was enter into it. All I had to do was step in the page and go, God, and maybe you've prayed this way. If you're real, I'm looking towards you. And it happens in your heart. It's not you turning over a new leaf. It's God giving you new life. Identifying ourselves as one of the people where it says that Jesus was the friend of sinners. Oh, wasn't he good to you even before you came home? Wasn't he kind? Trusting in the declaration from the cross, it is finished. And believing that he's not only the author of my faith, but the finisher of it. The resurrection is a story of divine encounter. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's, he's saying, I know how you got here. I know why you're here. And I, I just love the fact that this angel said this. It doesn't say that God told him to say it. It just says he knew. So whether God told him or he perceived, I'm not sure. But he said, I know you're looking for Jesus. You're just looking in the wrong places. See, you're looking in dead places. Tombs. I looked for him in clubs. I looked for him in the bed of people that weren't my wife. I looked for him in drugs. I looked for him in dark places. And I'm going to tell you how tender my God is. He sends words to people like me and says, I know you're looking, buddy. You're just looking in the wrong place. You're not going to find him in things that cater to your flesh. You're going to find him in an empty tomb when you realize Jesus tasted death for you so you didn't have to taste it the rest of your life. I remember when God redeemed me and I told my fraternity brothers that I was born again. One of them tapped a bar stool right there in the lodge. He goes, six months, you'll be right here. And see, some of y'all think I've been a preacher all my life. I ain't been a preacher all my life. If I had a dime for every cold beer I've ever drank, I could pay cash for any truck at Riverside Ford. <laughs> any truck. So having said that, six months. No, 30 years later. None, nothing. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm telling you that I didn't just decide to turn over a new leaf. He came inside me. And I entered into the resurrection story. I not only peeked in, I saw my empty tomb. That's where I was buried. That's why water baptism is so essential. We're declaring publicly that when Jesus died, as Jesus died, I died with him. And this new person you see coming up out of the water ain't the same one that went into the water. I've been given a new spirit and a new outlook and a new life. You're just looking in the wrong place. And for those of you that today that aren't Christians, man, you don't have to answer. I, I just I, I appeal to you. 
as one of, I'm, the, I'm way worse than probably you'd ever have been. How's it working for you? I remember I'd be just, oh, Lord, Friday's coming. So it, it's Monday. What you going to do through Thursday? Just survive. So we live for Friday. We hang out until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning Friday. It takes Saturday and Sunday to come back to health. And then we go to work Monday. Lord, I'm hoping for Friday. So we're living seven hours a week. Somebody's stealing your life. Stealing mine. Joke's on us. I know you, let me just, let me just ramble a little bit. Just visit my, it's not, I know it don't apply to none of y'all, but you're, you're 21, 22. You're at a party, whether it's the fraternity house, sorority house, or the club, the crystal pistol, whatever you, wherever you go, you're doing your par- party, hey, hey. And you're 21 and 22. Oh, and you're cool because you're cool and your friend's cool. And you're going to look at those pictures about 10 years later and you go, what was I doing? I'm stupid. But anyway, and you see that one guy next to you. So you're 22 and you got the new hairdo working. You got nails that ain't yours, but you like them anyway. They, they're in the club and working. And get you a little new jewelry and dancing like this. Hey, hey, hey. And some 40-year-old guy comes up. And he's got three sheets in the wind, two of them striped. You're 22, and he's like, hey. And one of your girlfriends is smiling at him, and you're talking to her like, it's like a little stray dog. Don't you give him no attention. We'll never get rid of him. Leave him alone. And everybody's just laughing at him. And you go back to your table. It's Let me tell you something, like it or not, you become the 40-year-old. Yes, you do. Woman wearing her daughter's shirt to the club. (laughs) And drinks just enough to forget that I'm living one day a week. And the devil has played this song and said, live for pleasure, live for pleasure. And you wake up in your 40s and 50s and your youth is gone, your life is spent, and we've been tricked. I was fast becoming that guy. Glad God found my hiding place. John, come see. Invitation, come see where the body was lying. Come here. Look and see what he did. Do you remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? What did he tell the people? Loose him. Let him go. Because Lazarus wasn't glorified. He just came back to life. He was in there like, mm, mm. he's wrapped up. He come out like this. If that was my buddy that got raised from the dead, I'm going to get one of them big, thick pieces of cotton. And, I'm going to spin him, you know? Anyway, sorry. Y'all are visiting, and that guy at that church has some issues. That, that one up there. That one there. That's what you get when you let old drunks pastor churches. Okay. That was a long time ago. So he had to loose him. Now watch. You have to untie him. And he, can you, what if you were one of the guys untying your four-day dead friend? I don't want to be the one that unties the strap around the eyes. That's what I don't want to do. I'm like. How you doing? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that, there's something about that. Anyway, he brought him back. But Jesus wasn't unwrapped. There was a cocoon. 
with the straps wrapped in aloes and oils. And he passed through it and folded the napkin that was above his face. See, if somebody stole the body, they'd have stole the cocoon. And the napkin would have been on the floor. So the Bible says that John came in and saw the cocoon. He goes, I believe. I believe. Never saw Jesus. I believe. And there are people in this room today and last year and the year before and the year before. You heard just enough in a sermon. You go, I believe. I'm stepping off of what I can see, touch, taste, feel. And I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I believe that you died for my sins and that my sins are paid for. And you are the resurrection and the life. I believe. Divine encounter. Joining this church don't help you. I'm going to walk down front and shake the pastor's hand. You might as well shake a donkey's tail. It does just as much for you. It doesn't help. It's life that comes through faith. Of power released. The resurrection is a story of power released. Power not only for his resurrection, but ours. Power to translate us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Power to birth us again by his Holy Spirit. One of my favorite verses when I became a Christian was this. John 1.12 For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I remember the day I gave my life to Christ and I came and knelt at an altar. I was there about a half hour. And I was just, just purging all of this guilt and lewdness and everything else. And you know there's Pharisees in every church. And I know there were people watching me and like, hmm, give him six months and see if it takes. Like I got a flu shot or something. See if he's all right. When he drew me and he accepted me, in the same way he took Adam and made him out of the mud in a creek bed and went and breathed him in the breath of life. He breathed into my dead spirit and I come alive. It wasn't trying to change. I was different. Do you remember? I remember going in the Christian bookstore when I first got saved. I'd never been in a Christian bookstore. What would I, do? What would I need to have a Christian bookstore? I go in the store. Cheesy pictures on the wall. Of a lamb hanging off a, a ledge or something in the shepherd region. I'm like, that's me. I'm just crying. I'm just crying. I, you know, uh, he's the resurrection. Like, I'm walking through a Christian bookstore. Yes. Yes. I used to go to church and I go, what, 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 what's, I don't get it. Because I didn't get it. And then when he quickened me, it's like Field of Dreams. Do you remember? Remember Field of Dreams? And that guy finally saw the dead baseball players. And he goes, don't sell the field. You remember? Don't sell the field. This is real. When he saves us, it's not through our effort. It's a supernatural birth. What part did you play in your first birth? Well, I helped. You didn't do nothing. Your mama winked at your daddy. Your daddy said, for real. <laughs> and there was magic. What part do you play in your second birth? The seed of the word of God hits the womb of your spirit. 
or the womb of your spirit man and it conceives. Sometimes it takes a month. Sometimes it takes two or three years. But the water of the spirit breaks and you just come alive. It's power. The resurrection is a story of power. Jesus was the first fruits of those that come back to life. Of forgiveness available. The resurrection story is one of forgiveness available. For the crooked tax collector and the prodigal son far away from home. For the woman taken in adultery and the man she was with who was never found out. Forgiveness available for the paralytic, the demon possessed, and the woman with the issue of blood and the thief on the cross. For the one who needs it the most and the one who thinks they need it the least. For the worst among us, for the best among us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the proud and the self-loathing, the religious and the reprobate. For those at the beginning of their life and with those with nothing left to offer like the thief at the cross. The resurrection is a story of great forgiveness. It's a story of unrepentant men. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Having seen how he lived, having seen how he died, having seen or heard the evidence of his resurrection, some still chose not to believe. There are people in this room. You probably intellectually believe, but you go, I'm not going to firmly rely and lean in upon and give my exclusive trust to Christ. Grieved, but not repentant. Convicted, but not repentant. Convinced, but not repentant. Eyewitnesses, but not repentant. Enlightened, but not repentant. The resurrection story is a story of men that put Jesus to death, tried to cover it up, and never repented. With all the evidence you have from your grandparents, all the evidence from your mom and dad, all the evidence from your children that live their faith in front of you, and we just fold our arms and our proud arrogance, if you will, I will not. And God will never make you. And finally, it was a saving faith exercised. The Bible says in John 20 that John went into the tomb and saw what I told you. And he believed. John didn't see Christ. Only the evidence. And so it is today. The Bible says clearly in John 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, there's a day coming and now is. Now is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. God's quickening and calling you. It may sound like a whisper in your heart. Like, I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you today. And that is conviction. That is, conviction is the God giving us uh, permission to repent. And He brings you out of, into life. I asked the guys here if they would uh, play a video for us. And if there's a way to darken... The room just so the video screen can be better seen. If y'all could do that for us. Would you play this for me, Brian? This is Carly's story. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. church. Uh, My dad's a pastor. His dad was a pastor. His dad was a pastor. And uh, I knew all the verses, all the songs, all the stories. And, you know, I was just a good church kid. My parents never pressured me at all. In fact, I had a fairy tale for a childhood. Uh, When I was 16, my life, my perfect little world fell apart. Uh, It was a normal day. I gotten a little disagreement with my mom 
was a brat to my little sister and went off to work. And I came home later that day, and there were police in the driveway and people in suits, and uh, they told me I should wait inside. So I went in the house and waited. They said my dad was coming home. So I went inside and sat with my little brother, and we just waited, didn't know what was going on. There was a note on the refrigerator. My mom wrote, you know, be back soon for supper. And uh, my dad got home, and I could tell something was wrong. He came in, and he said, his mom and, mom and Joanna were killed in a car accident today. Everything I'd known that had been safe and perfect and secure changed. I remember I felt so much pain, so much pain, that I never wanted to feel that hurt again. I kind of just closed up, closed my heart off, built a wall, and uh, looked for my own ways of distraction and healing to never hurt like that again. I, From that time on, for the next eight years, I lived for myself. I moved out. I started living for a good time. I would drink and party. I ended up in jail a couple times. I did all the things that culture tells you is going to make you happy. Well, the fun ran out, as it's bound to do when you're looking for fulfillment and happiness and having a good time. And all that's left is emptiness, loneliness, no purpose. And that's where I found myself after all the fun I'd tried to have. I realized that I had known all about Jesus, but I didn't know him. I was 24 when Jesus saved me. Uh, when I encountered him for real, I remember I was in my apartment on the floor in tears. And I couldn't even stand because of the heaviness in my spirit. And I remember I literally crawled to the radio and found the first Christian station that I could. And every song that played was like a love song straight from God that penetrated my heart and my spirit. And um, I remember the lyrics from one of those songs. It was talking about Jesus, and it said, And as he stands in victory... Since curse has lost its grip on me, for, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. And I remember hearing those songs and those words play, and I just prayed to God. I said, God, if you're real, all these things I've heard from you all my life growing up, Lord, if you're real, come save me. I don't want to live like this anymore. And... Uh, at that moment, this incredible, miraculous peace came over me. It's the best way I can think of putting it is like when a, a child gets wrapped in their parents' arms and they know it's going to be okay, they're secure, everything's all right, they're protected. And just this peace, oh, there's nothing like it. I knew all about Jesus before, but now, for real, I knew him. Uh, it was a roller coaster from then on. Uh, God literally took me on an incredible adventure. I got started doing international missions trips and I was able to go to 25 countries in five years just 
living, seeing what God's doing all around the world. And you know what the amazing thing is, is he let me share my personal story with all its screw-ups and his absolutely amazing grace with kids all around the world. And he used it for his glory and people's good. And that's, that's amazing that God can do that. I met my husband on one of those trips. Uh, I remember growing up, my dad always told me, Carly, just keep running the race, pursuing God, doing what he's doing, and after a while, look around you and see who's running with you. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Uh, life is hard. Life's painful. The world's full of tragedy and darkness and pain. And it doesn't go away because you're a Christian. But, oh, when you, when you know Jesus for real... His grace is with you. He sustains you. He's with you through it. Your pain's not wasted. And most importantly, you can help others through what you've been through. And I've been able to experience that firsthand in my life. And I praise God for that every day. My name is Carly Gannon, and this is my story. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved this dispensational clock is winding down the earth is coming to its last hour and preachers are throwing the net every Sunday whosoever will let him drink of the water of life freely call on me and I'll answer you God says grace for you there's no hype no fanfare and I give you my word as pastor of this church you will not be embarrassed but we have boldly lived our life without God. I want to ask you to make a bold decision to walk to Him. Say, Pastor, I'm not right with the Lord, whether I'm not a Christian or I'm backslid and you don't even need to know the story, but I believe and I am siding with the Christ today. If that's you, would you mind just standing and coming and kneeling at this altar. No one will embarrass you, but it's time. It's today, man. Ben, would you sing this song for us? One more sign One more day Some other time Is what you say But today's your day Your sign is here the time is now, the Lord is near. Just reach out and receive Him. Just out and receive him who else who's coming home today come on Your sign is here. 
church family. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. And today's service will be just a little past 12. But we can't miss this. We, I know there are people here. I know it in my heart. What if the Lord would just tell me your name? Just a word of knowledge. and said, you're, you're away from the Lord. It's time to come back home. Prodigal, it's time to come back home. Who would I be speaking to? As we sing this one more time, you'd be the one. Pastor John, I know who Christ is. And I've lived away from him. And I'm coming back home. If that's you, with no hesitation, I want you to come. One more sign. One more day. Some other time. Is what you say. But today's your day. Your time. church family these are praying in the altar they're fine our ushers are starting to serve from the back and we're going to take communion together and then we'll be dismissed but please wait on everyone to be served So is there anyone left? Did I just miss it? Are you, did you say to yourself, I should have came, I should have came. Come on. I can't narrow it down any further. Come on. Where are you? Where's the one away from God and you want to make it right today? Come on. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Are there others?
Has everyone been served except for this section? If, if you've been missed, would you just slip your hand up? Okay, they're coming to you. Just hold it up for us. We want to make sure everyone's served. If you're not a believer, listen, this is, please don't take this in the wrong way. Just pass. Just said, just, just don't take of the elements. Or if you're away from the Lord, don't take. Because the Bible says that oftentimes people are sick and some die by not judging worthily the body and blood of the Lord. And it's God's desire for us to be forgiven and partake. But I have been in services where I told them no. It just wasn't for me that day. So please don't be embarrassed at that. But just only take if you know your heart is right with the Lord today. Would you all stand with us? Look at us on this Resurrection Sunday. Here we are clothed and in our right mind. Forgiven. And he that is forgiven much, loves much. That's right. And the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. Let's take together. same night Jesus was betrayed he took wine and he poured it and gave it to his disciples he said this is my blood that shed for you for the remission of your sins as often as you do this think about me remember me so let's lift the cup today Lord we remember we remember your beatings the lashes the plucked beard the spit that ran down your face the closed eyes the crown of thorns the sealed tomb and the empty tomb. We remember it all. And we believe it wholeheartedly. We celebrate it enthusiastically. And we know who you are, who you said you are. And we are who you said we are. So let's take together. One song to seal this day. Can we finish with what we started with? How great thou art. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made, I see. 